Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. My name is Noah. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I get the opportunity, the, pre- the privilege to be able to preach today. So I'm very excited about that. Um, kind of give you a little setup and review. We've been walking through this series called Foundation, and this series is based upon our core beliefs here at Grace Harvest Church. Um, last week, Pastor Doug took us through belief number seven. And that was the importance and the power of communion, the Lord's Supper. And um, who, who was here last week? Quite a few people. We had the communion elements up front, and people came up and took the elements and went back. And it was a powerful Sunday. And taking communion together, and I was sitting in the front row for service in tears because looking around this church... It reminds me of how we come from different backgrounds and even different pasts, different struggles and even failings, but all of us are united in Jesus. Amen? It's beautiful. Today we're going to be tackling belief number eight. It says this, the Holy Spirit will make followers of Christ holy. We believe in the progressive sanctification of believers by the work of the Holy Spirit resulting in Christ-likeness. Sanctification is looking more like Jesus and becoming like Him. Sanctification is another word for becoming holy. In 1 Peter it states, You shall be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. I'm going to give you the main points because I love to give the main point before you fall asleep. Um, The main point is this, encounters with God's holiness, his presence, sanctifies us. He is holy, and we only gain holiness through his holiness, for only God is holy. There's this explanation given that I loved about this word sanctification, and it says this. The generic meaning of sanctification is the state of proper functioning. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for the use intended by the designer. A pen is sanctified when used to write. Eyeglasses are sanctified when they are used for the purpose God, or sorry, eyeglasses are sanctified when they are used to improve sight. In the theological sense, things are sanctified when they are used for the purpose God intends. A human being is sanctified, therefore, when he or she lives according to God's will and design and purpose. Our example and who we strive to be like as Christians is Jesus, who is fully God and who is fully man. Our objective for our life is to be like Jesus, to live the way he lived and to love people the way he loved people. To live like Jesus and to share his love. Jesus cared for the broken and the hurting. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 24. And it says this, And he, he being Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria. And they brought him all the sick, 
those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. It's why throughout church history, Christians are marked with caring for the hurting and the forgotten. Charitable organizations, hospitals, orphanages, recovery programs are largely Christian-based in our world. It's because we are and should always strive to care for the sick and the needy, just like the master Jesus does. It's why here at church, every week and all around the world, people come forward and we lay hands on them in faith and we believe that they're going to be well. God is still healing, though, in the world. He's not absent. He is present. I'd like to do a little experiment. Who has either been healed or witnessed a miraculous healing? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Keep your hand raised. Now, now look around the room. That right there should do something to your faith. <laughs> that right there should you remind you the next time someone is sick that you would do like Jesus do, does and put your hands on them and pray for healing. Amen. Jesus cared for the outcasts. In Matthew 9, it talks about this, and, it's, and it says this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold... Many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, Jesus said, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. These people Jesus ate with and spent time with were the outcasts of society. In the social, even, even cultural division amongst that time of clean and unclean was very intense. If you were a Jewish person at that time, you were forbidden to even enter the room or the house of a Gentile because it would make you unclean. The division culturally was great, but yet Jesus pushed through all of that and spent time with the outcast. We have Jesus not straying away or trying to avoid them, but he embraces and spends time with them. I am so thankful that Jesus loves the outcasts. Amen? And I'm thankful for the Christians that followed in the way of Jesus and did not give up on me when I was difficult. I even want you to remember even this mo these moments right here. Remember a time when someone followed in the ways of Jesus and did not give up on you. When you probably deserved to be given up on. <laughs> Jesus didn't give up on you. And that person followed in the way of Jesus and kept praying for you and kept pursuing you. It takes time to even... Love like Jesus, because Jesus is very radical. To love the enemy, the outcast, the hurting, the friend, the family member. The love of Jesus should be the thing, though, that marks the life of a Christian. Loving people when it's difficult is the way of Jesus. And it takes so much time 
to be like Jesus. Time you have to spend with him, and you have to leave everything else behind. I think of the disciples at the time that Jesus called. They left everything behind. And in Matthew 4, it says this. While Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to, to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Immediately, they left everything. At the time, to be called by a rabbi, which Jesus was a rabbi, was the highest calling at the time. So the response was very, very understandable. A rabbi says, follow me. You'd be like, oh, yes, I did it. I reached the highest calling in our culture. Yes, I'll go, rabbi. It makes sense. But in their natural response, it illustrates something so divinely spiritual. When following Jesus, you must leave everything and follow him. You must leave your old life of sin, your old way of thinking, and your old self. Jesus says in Matthew 16, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? As these disciples followed Jesus on the road and spent time with Jesus, they began to change. To look like Jesus, you must spend time with him. Purposeful time with him. Sanctification is being like Jesus. And you only become more like Jesus if you have purposeful moments of encountering his presence and his holiness. On the dusty roads of Galilee, these disciples were being sanctified by the presence of God moment by moment and step by step. And in that process of sanctification that was undergoing in their own soul, we see many examples of both success and failure in the disciples. Very relatable, very, very relatable. Oftentimes it feels like it's two steps forward and one step back. Moments where Jesus praised them and moments where Jesus corrected them. But moment by moment, the presence of Jesus in his holiness changed them. Sanctification in action was playing out. And while they followed Jesus, they'd heard him teach many things about the kingdom of God. Things that both felt foreign and familiar. Foreign because the kingdom of God is so upside down to what the world would say would be right. But familiar because I believe that written on the heart of every man is a, a divine need to have reconnection with the Father. God is holy and his kingdom is holy. In Matthew 5, Jesus teaches much on the kingdom of God, telling people to be righteous, 
pure in heart and holy, to be salt and to be light in a sin-filled world. And for us to be a part of the kingdom and to look like Jesus, things must change in here, in our own hearts. You may have even heard, and I, I think this is a good practice, to not murder people. <laughs> the Ten Commandments were even written, thou shalt not murder. That was very, under, that was very understood in even Jewish Jewish time, like they understood that. But Jesus took something and then he took it to the heart, to the core. You may have heard don't murder, but Jesus says don't hate. You may have heard don't commit adultery, but Jesus says don't lust. You may have heard love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because out of the hearts, everything flows. Jesus is after the core of who you are. And he's calling you to follow him and to be holy. To be sanctified. <clears throat> and when you begin to be like Jesus and you follow him and spend time in his presence, you begin the journey of walking out your purpose and your calling. Because only with him do you find who you truly are. Sin has this way of twisting and corrupting our soul and our lives, changing us into something that we are never designed to be. But the holiness of God burns that sin away. The holiness of God straightens what was twisted and restores what was corrupted, bringing you closer and closer to who you truly are and how God designed you to be. When a human being is sanctified, they begin living according to God's design and purpose. Your calling and your purpose is fulfilled in Christ. Regardless of your background, your failure, your upbringing, you have this beautiful opportunity to fulfill your purpose and calling in him. His grace is new every morning and, call, and God calls us to be sanctified and to be made holy, for he is holy. Day by day, purposeful encounters with God and his holiness will sanctify you by the most simplest of things, by inviting purposely God's presence into your life, by reading your Bible, by praying, by the things that we knew, by worship. The Lord will begin to sanctify you day by day, moment by moment, step by step. When you are a Christian, the common vernacular we would use is, are you saved? What are you saved from? You're, sa you're saved from sin and death and hell. And when you are saved, your master is no longer sin. Your master is Jesus. Sin has a purpose for you, much like Jesus does. But sin's purpose in your life is death. In Romans, it talks about that. The wages of sin is death. Jesus also has a purpose for you. And his purpose is life and life abundantly. In this, in this life and the next, life and life abundantly. Follow Jesus and fulfill what he has called you to do. And when you fail and you sin, be reminded to reject the old master. <laughs> you reject that old master of sin. You get back up, you repent, receive grace, and you keep following Jesus on the road. 
staying in his presence and his holiness. And day by day, moment by moment, you will become sanctified. I think about many examples that are even in the scripture. One that comes to mind is Abraham. Abraham in the Bible was considered a pagan and a heathen. But something really interesting happens when people encounter the presence of God and his holiness. Purpose and calling is pulled out of them. Abraham, without no church service, without no Bible, it says that Abraham was in the middle of a field in the night sky looking up at the stars and God's presence met him there. Out of that experience with God and his holiness, Abraham changed and God gave him purpose and calling. And one of the things that God said to him, out of you, Abraham, all nations will be blessed. You are still underneath that blessing. I think of Moses, who was an orphan, a murderer, and he had a stutter, which is a terrible thing when you're trying to lead a bunch of people. Before Moses even led the people out of Egypt and had all these amazing miracles happen, he was tending the sheep for his father-in-law out in the deserts of the Middle East. And he encountered the presence of God. Exodus 3, it says this, When the Lord saw that he, he mean Moses, turned aside to see, God called to him out of this burning bush. It said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responded. He said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Anything or anyone that gets near the presence of God changes and becomes holy. The very grounds around that burning bush and the presence of God was transformed and sanctified because of God's holiness. Because God is holy, nothing else is holy, only he is holy, and things or people only become holy through his presence. And they only remain holy by staying in his presence. Your calling and purpose that the Lord has placed upon your life is very, very unique to you and only can be fulfilled by you. With our failing and success, I think any or any of us, all we can do is say to God, like Moses said, here I am. Use me for your purpose in your kingdom. No one else can fulfill your call in your purpose. There was no one to blame or no one to hide behind. All you can do if you're following the purpose of God is repent, accept the grace of God, and follow his way in your life. You would say something like this, Lord, I yield to your will and your way in my life. Lead and guide. Sanctify and change me, Lord. And what's so beautiful is because of Jesus, he will do just that. And he sends the Holy Spirit along to help you along the journey. And along that journey with Jesus, as we remain in the presence of God, we will become holy because God is holy. The Greek word translated sanctification means holiness. To sanctify, therefore, means to make holy. God is holy. God is separate. He is distinct, and he is other. 
No human being or, or thing shares the holiness of God's essential nature. He calls human beings to be holy as he is holy. Another word for a holy person is saint, which means sanctified one. I think of Paul's greeting to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians. He says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace and peace, because all of us need it, <laughs> from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to look at some even examples of what happens when things get close to the holiness of God. God is the only thing that is holy. And there's this really unique physical example that we see in Scripture of someone encountering the holiness of God. Moses at the time, we're going to look at Exodus 33. Moses has taken all the people out of Egypt into kind of the desert and Moses has gone up to the Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. During that time and that back and forth and days go by, Moses asked God a very unique question. Moses asked God, I would like to see your face, God. God responds, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. You're going to die. <laughs> and the Lord said, but we'll do something. Behold, there is a place by where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft or the crack of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Just for a moment. From that experience with God's holiness and God's presence, Moses glowed for some time. It's recorded that he actually physically glowed like he was radioactive afterwards. They said that it was hard to look at his face. <laughs> that a veil had to be put up, uh, over his face because he was glowing so brightly. He encountered the presence of God in his holiness, and once again he was changed. We got this beautiful heavenly example of the holiness of God in Revelations 4. And sometimes we think that maybe the angels are talking about God's grace, maybe God's love, maybe justice. But I'll tell you, it's recorded in Scripture. None of, they're not saying love, 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 grace, 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 justice, 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 mercy, mercy, mercy. In Revelations 4, it, it says what the angels are saying. They're saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. All of God's characteristics are united in his holiness. It is the, the center of who he is. He is holy. God's holiness cannot interact with sin of any kind because it will burn it up in his presence. Even that encounter he had with Moses, on the opposite hillside, when he passed by, he had Moses remove all the sheep from the hillside because it would have went like this. Those are fireballs. 
We see an example of this with Adam and Eve in Genesis about this separation that can take place. Adam and Eve were not, were not holy because they lacked sin in the garden. They weren't holy because they lacked sin. They were only holy because they were near the presence of God in his holiness. And sin wasn't in the way. God is holy and his holiness is imbued to us and we are sanctified. And when they disobeyed and sinned, God's relationship with them had to change and they were removed from the garden because God cannot interact with a sinful people. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus is the great bridge back to Father God. It is only through Jesus' sacrifice and Jesus' holiness that we have a relationship with Father God again. In John 14, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. Encounters with God's holiness changes us. His presence is the thing that can transform and will transform our lives. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, it wasn't just the intellectual understanding of God or even heaven, but many of us in this room would even account to moments where we had encounters with the presence of God and His holiness. Encounters that changed us and brought purpose and brought, and brought His will into our life. Supernatural encounters that shook us to our core and reminded us who we are in Him. I want to give one last example. Saul in the Bible, later known as Paul after this experience, he had all the Bible knowledge. He knew far more about the scripture than I do or you would. He held all rules to the highest T. He didn't mess up according to the law. He did everything right, but yet Saul lacked something and it was the presence of God. He was wicked and he was full of sin and he was doing terrible, terrible things. Then in Acts 9, something happens. It says this, but Saul, still breathing threats in murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, followers of Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. From that one experience of God's holiness, Saul was forever changed. Saul became Paul. And from that experience, he began to fulfill his purpose and calling in Jesus. 
that one experience. Be holy for I am holy is the challenge. Let your life be surrounded by the presence and the holiness of God. And let it sanctify you and change you. Then follow the instruction that Jesus gave to Saul. Rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. Fulfill your purpose and calling in Jesus in this city. God will tell you what to do, and the Holy Spirit will lead and guide and help you along the way. Amen.